You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Amani as she comes to speak to us this morning. Hey. How are you guys doing? I'm just up here like organizing cards. I don't know why. Sorry, they were not... They were not right. I had to fix them. All right. I got my iPad working. Updated. It was trying to update when I got up here last week. That's why I was like, let me teach off of this. Hang on. All right. I'm going to move this. It's as tall as I am, and I can't see over it. Okay. (laughs) Welcome. I don't have any jokes this morning. I thought maybe one would just come to me, but it didn't. Okay. Funny how that works. Okay, so last week we were talking about, I guess my title's Love That Transforms. It's, I don't, I'm terrible with titles. So what we covered was following God's precepts is the fuel for real love, and it will keep you from going psycho. Okay, who is here for that? Okay, the rest of you, if you want to know what psycho means, you're going to have, because it's actually a Greek word that I'm probably mispronouncing, as I was told this morning. Um, no. <laughs> um, so you can go get that CD, podcast, YouTube, whatever. We have uh, Google Play. Is that the right thing? For all you non-Apple people, we'll pray for you. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, there's options. So go get the word. Go get the message if you want to catch up because I'd love to just reteach it and catch you all up. But um we ha- only have until 1.30, so I've got to stop by then <laughs> for Holly's group. She's up next. Okay, so following God's precepts, following his word, his law, his design is the fuel for real love. When we look at him and we look in the word and we see his face and his goodness in that, you can't help but fall in love with him. And when you're in love with him, you can't help but love well. And, you know... This verse, I didn't mention it last week, but it's, it's a verse that just, it's one of those ones that, again, it just rings in my head. Do you guys have those ones that's just like, ooh, this is a warning. This is, mm. and it's Paul to the Galatians in Galatians 1, 6, and 7. He says, I'm shocked that you were turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You were, you were following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. I read verses like that, and you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago I read that, and I'm like, oh man, bummer for the Galatians. Like, how do you do that? How do you turn away from truth? How do you turn away from an experience with Jesus Christ? Looking him in the face, seeing the reality of his word, having that revelation dropped into your soul, how do you turn away from that to and be fooled by those who twist the truth? And then I look on Facebook, and then I see people that claim, how do I say it, say they're Christians, and yet are, are being swept away by the culture's definition of love and truth and what is good and what is right. We can't do that. Not only will I, you 
be at risk of losing your salvation. Maybe that's too harsh. I don't know. Is that too harsh? You're at risk of missing out on God's best when you don't follow his word, his law, and you get swept away in this, here's what love is. Okay, so I want to I want to pick back up on that today. We know that love is from God and God is love, yet everything we see around us in culture and even in our own hearts, got to be aware of what's coming up in our own hearts. It might look like love. It might look like a loving action. It might look like what's love. But if it wasn't forged in the presence of God and in his reality, it might not be real love. It might not. And here's the thing. Real love brings transformation. Real love sets people free. The, the, this, um, how, did, how, was, how did that verse say it? Following a different way that pretends to be the good news. This pretend good news happening in our culture isn't setting people free. It is saying, that mess is beautiful and it's how God made you and you just stay addicted and demonized and confused and whatever. That is not the good news. That is not real love. And it is not, uh, I keep, I, I'm, I'm going to interchange reality and truth, those two words, because, um, shoot, what's the, what's the scripture? Um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That word for truth means reality. You will know reality as God created it, as God made it, as God spoke it, and that that will set you free. So I'm going to interchange those words a little bit. Okay, and, and I get it. Like, what we see in culture, it's a desire. We see people who are in a lot of shame or a lot of fear, or they are. They're addicted or they're depressed or they're just really struggling in that sin. And we don't like when people don't feel good, when they're not happy, they're not okay. And if you don't have the answers, if you haven't wrestled with God with your own stuff, the be- <laughs> darn it, <laughs> I was praying that too, but darn it. I joke with John because, you know, a couple weeks ago he said, God woke me up at four with a new message. I'm like, no, no, no. God prepares you and he doesn't do surprises and last-minute miracles. That's my joke. But he, he was not afraid to interrupt. And now I interrupted, so I don't know what I was. Sorry, God. I interrupted God. <laughs> you have to struggle with what's inside of you and the issues you face This is what it was. When you do that, the freedom you find in an area actually gives you voice into that area. If you struggled with a sexual sin or addiction and you overcome that in the presence of God and he brings you freedom, that's probably where your ministry is going to be. Don't jump in too soon. You know, it's, it's tricky. Anyway, let me not get in the way. The things you overcome, often we feel like, well, I can never speak about that, or I can't, I can't go there with people because I, I was a sinner, I struggled. Well, no, that's the place. When you experience God's freedom and his reality in an area, you can now be used in that area to help others be free. But, but sitting here going, wow, you're in you're shame. I don't like that you're feeling so shameful about life, or I don't feel like that you're feeling so down and struggling so much. So let's just say that's okay. You don't have to be ashamed because that's, that's how God made you. Let's just change right and wrong. That is not real freedom. Okay. Slapping, a, slapping some nice words like a band-aid on their struggles 
and calling it love is not love. Love, God's love birthed in truth is what sets people free from shame. It gives them strength for the battle and courage in the midst of the fears. Freedom, not tolerance, is the goal of real love. And when I say the word tolerance, I don't mean that we are to be mean, judgmental, right? You guys know that? Love sets people free, but love also tells the truth. Love calls people out of what they're in. Love calls them higher. Okay, so what does love actually look like? That's where I want to go today. I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians 13. I've been wanting to get here for several months. And I'm going to start in verse 4 because I'm pretty sure a month or so ago I covered the first three verses. So go, get, go find that. I don't know where it is. It's out there somewhere. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Um, these should be pretty familiar. I'm reading from the NLT. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And actually, I want to read that, if I can pull it up, um, in the Passion Translation. Because I feel like sometimes we become so familiar with a scripture that we kind of glaze over. Let me find it. Okay, in the Passion Translation, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love, is, love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Okay? And it's interesting in these verses because we can define love just as much by what it is as what it's not. And that's what's happening here, okay? It's not jealous. It's not boasting proud or rude. It's not selfish and self-centered. It's not cranky and easily set off by others, easily offended, you know, and others make a mistake or a misstep. It doesn't celebrate the injustices suffered by others. You know, and so I think when we're, as we grow in love, right, we don't get saved and then, I wish we did, just became perfect like Jesus. But we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. We are being changed so that we can know God's will and love like he loves. So, so these are just some things maybe to think about, not obviously a complete list, but whenever we are a little excited that someone fails or is struggling because it makes us feel better about our life or our inability to take a step in God or achieve something, that's not love, okay? Whenever someone is suffering and is going through a difficult time or they failed maybe morally or in whatever way, or or maybe a secret sin is exposed and we're like, ha, I knew it. I knew you weren't all that. You, you were cracked up to be, or you, we thought you were. That's, that is not love. Love says, man, I'm going to pray. That should create humility in us. Like, whew, we got to watch each other's backs. 
okay, that's not love. Whenever the conversation is always about me and my thoughts and my achievements and what I think and what I did, that is not love, okay? And, and, and let me say this, I think. And I think in that, it's with the, perp- with, with the goal of impressing people, right? I'm a really awkward social person, so if I don't know what to ask you about your life or how to engage in a conversation, I just tell you ridiculous stories about me. I don't care if you like me or not. I'm just trying to ease the tension that I feel socially. Or maybe I'm self-centered. I don't know. Well, I'll pray about it. Okay. Whenever we have to have our own way, it has to be my way, you're wrong, it's my way, and we will not bend our will to another, that's not love. Okay, love, love serves, love lays down its life. I love, um, well, never mind. Okay, so what, do, what does love look like? What is it? What does it do? It is long-suffering, patient, long-suffering. Long-suffering means it suffers a long time. Okay, it'll hang in there with you. It is kind. We know that it is God's goodness, his kindness that leads us to repentance. Okay, this kindness that we can extend to people who are struggling, who are confused, who are hurting, who are being, and here's the thing, the people, the devil is wreaking havoc in people's lives. And remember, our, our battle's not against flesh and blood. It is against these principalities and powers and these forces at work in people's lives. We get to pray. We get to release God's life. We get to release freedom through, through speaking the word of God. I love the word of God is powerful, and it will complete the mission it was sent out to do. Speak life into them. Speak hope. Speak, And then when you're around them, I, I just... I grew up in an atmosphere where I was afraid. I think my dad was trying to keep us all from, I don't know, ending up on the wrong side of the track, so to speak. I don't know. But he instilled in us this fear of people, that there are bad people, and we don't hang out with them, and we don't go near them, and they're weird or they're bad. Well, that's not my Father God's attitude, and it can't be our attitude as believers to be afraid of people who are in sin, afraid of people who are flagrantly disobeying God and living lives that are destructive. We need to be people that can know who we are. We're not going to get pulled into that. We know better, right? (laughs) If you struggle with alcoholism, don't go witness at the bar until you're completely free from that. There's wisdom in this, but we don't have to be afraid of people who are struggling. So the bad people, I've been being transformed in that, that I can love, that I can see something in them that, and I was just praying again this week, God, let me see people the way you do. He doesn't see them beat up, broken down, a mess of a life. He sees. He doesn't see their mistakes and every failure. He sees who they were created to be. He sees the best they can be when they connect their life to his. I want to see people in that way, and I want to call them up higher. Okay, so love is kind. (laughs) We're only there. Love rejoices when truth, when reality is welcomed into somebody's heart. Love never quits. It knows that redemption is always a possibility with Jesus. It is, love is firmly planted in Jesus as a source of hope. And love will endure through every situation. Real love is what keeps us going, pressing forward, laying aside anything that would hinder, creating a culture around us where people can find freedom. 
See, if you don't have the culture of love inside of you, if you don't have the freedom inside of you, you can't create that around you. So get it in you first. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay? Creating a culture around us where people can find freedom and never quit going no matter how cold, how psycho the hearts of those around us might get. I just love that word. You guys are refusing to laugh at my joke, but I'm going to do it until... Until I'm done. Okay. Galatians 5. Uh, let's hop over there. Galatians 5. We're going to start in verse 13. Galatians 5 is... All of Galatians is really good on this... On kind of just what's been feeding me as I'm getting ready and studying for this. And Galatians 5 is really good. It's just... Yeah, and let's just look at a couple verses, and I'll explain some things. Galatians 5.13, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another we, what we have in God, what we have been given, this grace, it is not a license to sin. And a lot of people are saying, God has to love me. God loves everybody. He, he paid the price for sin. I, get, I mean, I don't actually understand the, the thought process here. So I can do whatever I want. I can live however I want, and God's going to love me, and I get to go to heaven because God is love, so he doesn't send anybody to hell. Sure, he doesn't send anybody to hell, but he will not violate your will. And I think it's Chris Valentin that says, he literally said, over my dead body will you go to hell, but you are very welcome to step right over that, over his, what, the work that he did, the, the price that he paid for your relationship with him. You can step over that and live however you want. The whole law is summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Again, without knowing God's love, without getting in a place of letting him love you, of letting him care for you, I've... I might cry. I've been going through a season. I didn't mean to tell you this. I just, I've been, there's been a couple situations in the last maybe four or five years. I've had somebody, okay, there's definitely gonna be tears. I've had somebody in a grandfather position in my life, a father and a brother position. All show me kindness in the midst of a failure or mistake I made. When I approached and went, oh my gosh, I'm going to be punished. The relationship is broken because of my mistake. I think God has put, and they're not all Christians, God has put these people in my life, and I just realized it this week. He has put these people, and I look back and I go, oh, God is trying to show me that he loves me, and he is so good, and even my mistakes even my failures. And sometimes, you know what, we're going to mess up and we can't control the other people. They're going to be offended. And... But just in these father figures showing me, God saying, I don't give up. I don't quit. I don't break relationship when you mess up and when you fail. That's huge for me. I don't know if you need that, but I needed that. I grew up in a punishing environment where if you messed up, uh, uh, relational connection was cut off until you could shape up again. This is God saying, no, no, baby girl, I come in alongside you 
I help you. We clean up the mess together. And I never leave you. I never forsake you. I never shame you. I don't know where that came from. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've got to keep letting God love us. And all these ways he shows us, just listen, watch. As yourself, you have to love yourself if you're going to love others well. Okay, I want to read this to you also from the Passion Translation because I can and I want to and I love it. Oh my gosh, okay. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. For love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarized in one grand statement. Demonstrate love to your neighbor even as you care for and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe they didn't say hi to me when I came to church. Oh my gosh, you see that look she gave me? Yeah, she's probably thinking about something and didn't even stop, stop it. Minor issues, silly. Anyway, I'll let John teach about that later. Okay, don't set up, I love some, some phrases from this translation. Don't set up base camp in the natural realm. You are not children of this realm, of this life, you know, we, the, the flesh that we were given. God gives us a new nature. He gave you a new spirit. You are of his kingdom now. That's where we set up camp. That's where we live from. That's, we need to be transforming our thoughts and how we think to think like he thinks. Not, no longer are we part of this natural realm and natural way of doing things. Okay? Become free from self-indulgence. Me, 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 my, my, my. I heard an interesting podcast this week. I was listening to, somebody I listen to frequently, and she was interviewing her dad, who's a minister, and, and it was about suicide, and there had been a minister that had committed suicide recently, and so they were just talking through mental health and suicide, and her dad had struggled with suicide for many years before he became a Christian and a believer. He said, but the, res the how did he say it? The, the, kind of like the residue. He never forgot that struggle. Maybe that's the way, way to say it. I don't know quite how he said it. But one thing he said, because he studied, he studied this, he, he worked on, as he became a Christian and then a pastor, he wanted to see people delivered from the spirit of suicide, from taking your own life. And one thing he said he found over and over and over, and he, he interviewed people in mental health hospitals, he said, most often, all they can think about is themselves. How interesting. Me, my problem, my issues, my struggles. Why aren't you helping me? Why don't you do that for me? Me, me, me. So obviously if you're struggling with suicide or depression, there are many reasons, many things. If you need to get on drugs um, to help you in the process of being free, great. But if you're just struggling with depression and mental health and anxiety, might I suggest letting God love you, finding peace in him, declare peace over yourself, 
And then start looking for ways to serve other people. And, uh, you know, again, that's not probably all of the answer, but it might be a good place to start. And then it says, serve, serve one another and express love in all we do. Okay, so the new covenant is not love instead of law. Last week, I kind of was talking about, you know, this, the law is the word of God. It's not love instead of rules or love instead of truth. Love is the completion and fulfillment of every commandment. I had a thought this morning. What was it? It was really good. Maybe it'll come to me. Something about Moses. (laughs) Hang tight. When you have put faith in Jesus, your new nature is to love and not sin. This is important. When you read through Galatians, because that's your homework. When you read through 1 John, because that's your homework. When you read through these, the authors are saying, look, how do I say it? You don't do what's right to earn God's acceptance. We do what's right as an expression of our love for him. I love you. You are so good. What can I do for you? What can I do for people? Okay? Love is the expression of your faith. And this is it. What we couldn't do on our own, obey the law, right? That was the whole point. We can't do on our own, you know, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Well, yeah, I've never done those things. Well, but Jesus takes it to the next level and says, if you even look at somebody lustfully, if you even have hatred in your heart towards somebody, you've broken the law. It's a higher standard, and we can't do that on our own without the grace of God. Okay, so what we couldn't do, we now have that power to do. We have the grace to live this life and to become like Jesus, who so loved the world that he laid down his life. We have that inside of us. Here's the example. You know, when Jordan was uh, probably three and four, she was in preschool. You know, and and little ones are just trying to figure out how to get dressed, brush their teeth, eat their breakfast. Like, we're, we're teaching all these things, right? So I have to constantly say, okay, now we go brush our teeth. Now we go potty. Now we put on pajamas. Now we read a book. Now we go to bed, you know? Like, where now I'm like, hey, go brush your teeth and go to bed. She's like, boop. Well, okay, that's, that's a dream. But she could do it on her own. So what we did, and I learned this from the preschool, because this is how they do it. You show up at preschool, and they have little charts. There's a little chart by the cubbies that say, I don't remember the order. (laughs) Put on your snow pants. Put on your boots. Put on your hat. Put on your gloves. Put on your coat, right? There's this little, and there's pictures, and the kids know. This is what the law of Moses was like. It's this picture. It says, here are the things that are needed. Here's how living as God's kids, here's what it looks like. Here's the things we do, okay? But now Jordan's getting to a place where I don't have to, you know, have a little chart in the bathroom that says potty, wash hands, brush teeth. You know what I mean? And she will get to a place. I still have to tell her. I still have to remind her. It's still a hassle that mom makes her brush her teeth. But she'll come to a place when she will desire inwardly to not have stinky breath, to not have teeth falling out of her mouth. She'll get it, Okay? to put clean clothes, all this stuff, right? This is, this is the law. It, it's, 
It's getting us to a place until we can have the word living inside of us, moving out of us as our own desire, as internal realities. That's the word I wrote, internal realities and desires. So the starting place of love is receiving God's love. Again, this is all an internal work. We can't judge from the outside what's really motivating others. And sometimes we probably deceived ourselves about why we're actually, quote, loving somebody. Okay? We can do the right thing that looks like love for the wrong reasons. We can do it just out of principle because we know it's right. That's not a bad starting place. Okay? But, but when love is the reality inside of you, it motivates those actions rather than having to force the action or, you know, we can be motivated by fear or selfishness or manipulation to get our own way. You can show kindness or patience to somebody out of fear that they'll leave or that they'll cut you off from relationship. Okay, that's not birthed out of a place of real love. That's birthed out of fear but I'm going to act kind, I'm going to act loving to manipulate you to stay in this relationship or stay, you know, whatever, okay? But not because love is the reality inside of you. You can give, you can be generous to impress people or to manipulate, right? Have you ever been given a gift that was actually a manipulation, not a gift? You're like, oh, darn, I don't want this. Or you give from the reality of love inside it, within you. And look, real love doesn't expect anything in return. It's great when you, you have it, but it, it's not giving because there's this need that needs to be met back from another person. That's always great, but real love already has a source and can give. The other one I thought of was um, compliments versus flattery. There's a difference. Compliments have no strings attached. Hey, great job. That was awesome. Really blessed me. Flattery. Flattery feels different. I don't like flattery. Okay, when you reject God's law and wisdom, truth and wisdom, and wisdom is the application of the truth. It is, it is how God's reality shows up in your everyday life. It's when you've taken the word of God and you have brought it into the trenches with you. I don't know, and it's been forged. It's wisdom now. It's not just something we know in our head, but it's something we can live out of, out of our heart and our internal world. When you reject God's law and wisdom, you are rejecting his love because truth is the very expression of who he is and the very best he has for you. When love is your reality and you are saturating your thoughts, saturating your attitudes, saturating your desires, will, emotions in the word of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you about the designer and the creator and the lover, then love fruit, I'm sorry I said that, but then love fruit is developed in you and your life is more than words and actions without power like we talked about last week, okay? We're not just words and actions without power. Your life becomes love in motion Faith that transforms hearts by connecting God's heart to everyone around you. Okay, I want to jump down to Galatians 5.22. Okay, you guys probably familiar with these. <laughs> Can we just talk about how stupid the posters are? The, the fruit of the spirit posters. 
This is not apples and cherries and guava or whatever. This is, I don't know, even as a kid, I was like, God, it's so lame. I'm sorry. I was the kid that was like, can I just stay in big church? I'm sorry, Nanette. Sorry, Nanette. We're doing a much better job, I'm sure. Okay, Galatians 5.22. I'm so sorry. I don't know where that came from. It was not God. Galatians 5.22. But, okay, but, Galatians 5, let's stop here. But, okay, he has a thought, then he says but. So let's stop real quick. But, Galatians 5 is laying out the difference between working for right relationship with God and living by the teaching and leading of the Holy Spirit because we have put our faith in Jesus and his complete perfect work to make us right with God. Okay, so again, are you living for right standing or from right standing? Are you working for sonship and acceptance or are you working from sonship and acceptance? And I've talked before about orphan identity, sonship, all of that before. Holy Spirit, remind them or go get the CD. Okay, he also lays out the fruit of living only for yourself. Okay, he lays out what it looks like when you live selfishly, when you live in the natural realm like we just read about earlier. He lays all that out and it's... (laughs) And it's not just the Christian sins like sexual sins, addiction, it's gossiping, it's, I forgot all the other ones, go read it, it's your homework. It's this internal world that he's addressing, and when we live selfishly and we only live for ourselves, that is the fruit that we will get, okay? He lays all that out, and then he compares it to living led by the Holy Spirit, and that's where we are. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Love that that's in there. Jealousy, not fruit of the Spirit. Suspicion is not a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so he reminds us we've got freedom in this new life, freedom to love well or freedom to serve our own selfish and sinful desires. But when we yield and submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit and allow him to teach us and allow him to show us what's going on, what's really going on inside of us, we won't follow the sinful nature. I want to talk about fruit in these last (laughs) two minutes. The clock just ticked over. Hold on tight. First of all, I love John 15, right? Jesus says, abide in me. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll produce good fruit, okay? And he talks about the vine and he's the vine and we're the branches. And if we're not attached in a life-giving way to the vine, we wither and die. You know, the, the, the branches that were thrown out weren't thrown out because they were bad. They were thrown out because they disconnected from the life of the vine and they died, They chose that. Okay, so in order to produce good fruit, you must be planted in Jesus. And again, this isn't acceptance. This isn't just mental assent. This is a laying down of our life, of repenting, of full yielding. And if you read through John 15, you can expect to be pruned regularly. So we'll get some pruning. Okay, the fruit of abiding is truth that develops into wisdom and faith that is expressed in love. We are to be people that speak the truth in love, okay, truth and love both together leading people into life. 
fruit. I want to give you a definition of fruit. We're just getting warmed up. Remember, we got till 1.30. Hang in there. Just kidding. I'm wrapping up, I think. The Vines uh, Dictionary describes fruit in the Galatians verse that we just read as the visible expression of power, working inwardly and invisibly, the character of the fruit being evidence of the character of the power producing it. We're all producing fruit. You're producing the fruit of the Spirit, and, I, and I'll read that in a second, or we're producing the fruit of serving, our, of serving our sinful desires, of living in this natural realm, of being separated from God. Galatians 5, in the Passion Translation, you guys like that I'm reading you all these? I want to read both. Because this, this actually, I like the way it says it a little better. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Okay, we're not getting, what we're getting is this fruit of love, and that is expressed. It, it says joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Okay, these are all just expressions of love. Divine love in all its varied expressions. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. And here's kind of part I want, part of the thing I'm, well, we're out of time. Let's see. Because that's a whole nother, whole nother can of worms. I didn't think I had enough for today. I know. God interrupted too much. I didn't get to my notes. I don't even know where to end. So here's what it is. If we have the word only and no revelation, experience, or relationship with Jesus, if we only have the word apart from connecting to him, we will be tempted to give people advice and scripture in such a way that could actually bring more shame and bondage because it doesn't contain the connection and the power of God's heart that releases the grace and the freedom. Law will give a list of actions to perform, which creates a false freedom. They're doing the right thing on the outside, but they are still inwardly found and forcing those actions. Truth and love sets you free so that then you live out of the revelation. You live out of the connection and relationship. You live out of the truth and the wisdom and what is forged in those places. And look, if you have only the word and not the revelation, like start there, don't be an idiot, but <laughs> please, not you guys, other people. Um, like there's still truth and there's still a reason that, you know, the, the people of Israel followed this rule all the way to Jesus. Before it could be an internal reality, they did the external. That's okay, but there is more and you can go deeper and you can have this word of God forged and developed. And I wrote down... Oh, so much good stuff. In Ezekiel 36, 22, there's this prophecy about the day we live in. It says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey, obey my regulations. And that's it, right? We have, Moses gave the people rules on stones that can't affect us internally jesus came and gave us a new heart that he could write his his 
intentions and word and heart and everything on. Okay, Elena's here. I think it's time. Thank you, guys. Did you get anything? Okay. Oh, no, no, don't clap. Okay, don't flatter me. I'm working on receiving compliments. Father God, we just thank you. You are so good, Lord. Write your write yourself on our hearts, God. Impress your very nature and character. Let us know your word in wisdom and truth and love. God, thank you. We, we are a people, I declare it, that are not conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds as we go to your word and we wrestle with with ourselves in the midst of that until we die and you live. So thank you, Jesus. Have your way in us. Let us be a people that does not grow cold, but we burn hotter and brighter and more fierce in in love and in truth and in rescuing people out of the darkness that this world is, is celebrating. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. We love you. Amen. All right, why don't you guys stand up? Stand up and we will, on the count of three, say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world and go eat some snacks. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.